Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. All right. I have, I have a goal for this podcast. Okay. Which is, is, is for it to not really sound like we're doing a podcast. Yep. I think that's a good idea. I think we're on our way because I didn't prepare anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, we will have sort of no choice but for it to be just a conversation. So Yeah. And if it sucks, it's Derek's fault because uh, Derek texted me this morning. I was like, oh, sorry for the late notice. I'll be on a plane when we were supposed to record. Okay. I'm, I kind of feel like he probably knew that in advance. But. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's a recurring <laughs> calendar invite, Derek, you know, it's on, it's been on there, you know, probably for a year at this point, this particular That's Thursday okay. at 4, 4 p.m. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, I mean, I've done this to him so many times. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. Yeah. It's fine. So, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, like Tyler Tringas tweeted about this, like writing up like a monthly advisor update for people, like, like as if it were an investor update, even if you don't have investors. I did. I think I did see the tweet, but I didn't really like pay much attention to what other people were saying about it or anything like that. But it seemed like kind of a neat idea. It is. It's really cool. So I was sort of inspired by his tweet. And so I started doing this and I just wrote the third one today uh, and I'll probably send it in a couple hours. And so I, I just basically started emailing like close friends who I like respected and saying, hey, like, would you want to be on this thing? You can read it if you want. You don't even have to. You definitely don't have to respond. But if, you, if anything jumps out at you, like, I'd love to hear what you think. And I think 100% of the people I've asked that of have said yes, uh, which makes sense. It's pretty low commitment. You um, never asked me. That's true. Yeah. That's... <laughs> don't worry. You're, you're, on the, you're on the next round of invites. <laughs> no, you and I talk a lot, actually. So uh, I ask you for advice more frequently than these people. You're on the the uh, Telegram slash hop on a chat kind of list. Cool. Which is the even more exclusive list. Sweet. Yeah. yeah so how's that uh, going? So you've done two of these already? Yeah. And I just wrote the third. It's it's really good, actually. A, it's just nice to look back on them and be like, oh, yeah, like we did a lot of things. And like I said at the beginning of July that we had certain goals for July. And like, which ones did we get done? Like, where are we at? Like, are we making progress? So it kind of helps like it helps my stupid brain, which like focuses on the negative like kind of preferentially be like oh yeah like i said i was gonna do things and we did these good things and i step back and i look at like our numbers because uh, i include like the financials like what's going on and those all look really good so it's like okay yeah things are good like be be chill i started doing something similar to that sort of at the beginning of the year because i find i have a similar problem which is it's very easy to sort of not acknowledge your own like accomplishments or not even realize that you did something like it's very easy to look back and think like wow it's july it's actually August now. Holy crap. What the hell have I even done? You know, like there's so much, that's so much time. I should be able to get so much done. And it's, it's so easy to forget the things that you got done and focus just on the things that you have wanted to get done, but still haven't got done. So I started doing this like work journal on my blog that I basically failed at keeping up with since March. But for a while I was doing like a weekly post that was like, okay, here's kind of what I got done last week. Here's kind of what I want to get done next week or whatever. And again, the whole point was just so that I could look back on it myself at the end of the year and see like, okay, I accomplished a lot of stuff because if I don't keep track of it, it's easy to only really see like the really big stuff and forget about all these like kind of smaller projects that are actually significant and take up a bunch of time. But I like the idea of doing it just as like an email that you send out to people uh, too, especially if you have people then like responding and stuff, which kind of motivates you to do it more and well, so first of all, it's nice that it's private, actually, because I feel like I can put everything in there. 
also, it's nice that there's a little bit of social pressure where I was like, hey, I, I told people I'm going to do at least three of these. So I've, I've made like a commitment to people that I respect. And so I don't want to like stop doing it. Um, but also, yeah, the feedback has been useful. So it, one thing I found is that like asking a specific questions really helps. Uh, like just saying like, here's what's going on. People like kind of comment a little bit, but not that much. But when I said like, oh, and by the way, I'd love your thoughts on this. That like really like had a lot more people responded to that. And like I asked a question last time and, and like basically everyone responded and said the same thing. And I was like, well, okay. Awesome. That's pretty clear. Yeah. How, so how many people are you sending it out to at the moment? Uh, it's like eight people now. Yeah. Somewhere around there. That seems like a decent number. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to keep it adding people a little bit. Tyler pointed this out. And I thought this was like savvy. It's kind of a lightweight way of staying in touch with somebody and building a relationship with them. There's some people who are like not quite friends of mine, like not quite in my network that like I wouldn't mind adding to it and like having more of a connection with. And it's like, this is kind of a good first like, hey, would you be interested in this? And then like they sort of are up on like what I'm doing and what's going on. They have a bunch of context. And it's just it's it's like a nice lightweight way of staying in touch. That's cool. That's cool. The developer in me immediately is thinking like, oh, could you build an app that like facilitates <laughs> this? And like does it in like some Yeah, it's cool called way. Gmail. <laughs> exactly. It's called email. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's cool. I actually noticed that Brian Castle started doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to his, which you didn't, um, but Brian did. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, he invited me to his too, so you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so it's cool hearing you talk about it anyways because it's like, okay, so there's kind of like a trend happening here. This is like a thing people are starting to do. So I don't know. Maybe I'll dip my toes in this water next. Find some people other than you to invite. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people that are cooler than I am that you can like sort of drop in front of me. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, DHH was saying that, that email <laughs> yeah, that I sent just like, him. It's a and really ambitious list of people to send it to. I'll just have like Elon <laughs> Musk on there. Send it to <laughs> Steve Jobs. Like maybe he's not dead. You know, maybe he'll reply to I my email. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, yeah, that's cool. Good. So what else do you got going on? Well, speaking of high profile nerds and stuff, um, I think Gary Bernhardt is going to come on the podcast in a little bit. Should be cool. Nice. I wouldn't say he's officially committed, but he's like kind of committed. We'll see. And to talk about, like, I know he just launched that execute program thing. That's right. Which is kind of like the secret thing he's been semi-secretly working on for what seems like probably two years or something at this point. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. He's like, it's going to be a businessy thing. Like, it's going to be like a real, you know, pay for it kind of product. And so I was like, man, this is the intersection of programming and business. Like, you should come talk. We can have a good conversation about this, especially developer education, too. I feel like Gary has sort of been out of the... uh, out of the sort of public spotlight for a few years. Like he used to do a lot more interviews and stuff like that, especially when like Destroy All Software, he was putting on new stuff regularly. Then it feels like he kind of uh, went into hiding to like work on some new stuff like this. So I, I'm curious to hear what he has to say because I think uh, it's been interesting even just following along with, he's talking about like TypeScript and stuff all the time. He's not like, there's no Ruby on this new app at all. I don't, as far as I understand, it's like a Node and React thing. So it'll be kind of uh, interesting to get his perspective on like just the the technology that he's even working with and stuff now compared to what he's sort of known for. So you should probably ask him that kind of stuff. You should have him on. I know. I, I want to get him on. I need to get him on my podcast. I've been wanting to do it for years and then mostly because like I've just learned so much from Destroy All Software. It's like, man, it would be cool to talk to Gary about stuff. But I didn't really have like anything specific to talk to him about, which is always an annoying problem. It's like there's a person I want to talk to, but I don't have like the right conversation to have with them. But maybe now I do. So yeah, maybe I can bug them to do an episode. Yeah, like I can ask him about his tech stack, but like I don't know any of the JavaScript stuff. So I just be like, cool, that sounds JavaScripty. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
Yeah, you know, cool. I got him on Giant Robots back in the day. I'd interviewed him like a million years ago. I had to like really kind of go after it where I like I got in touch with him. He said yes. And then he canceled. And I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. And then like I, I prepped like crazy and then he canceled. And then I saw him at a conference and we were talking. And I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I was that person. And uh, like I like pulled up my notes. I was like, I have all these questions for you. <laughs> and I was like, I did all this work. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, all right, fine. I'll do it. And I basically just guilted him into doing it in person. I remember that episode. I was a very, very avid Giant Robots listener back in the day. So Wow. Yeah, pretty I cool. I can't believe you remember that. Yeah, man. I remember like all the good ones. I listened to them multiple times. The DHH one. I think there was only one where you had DHH on. That was just you interviewing him. All the ones with Joe were really good, where it's just like you and Joe oh, talking Joe. about refactoring Dude. and TDD and... I need All to do I, another episode with Joe. He's he still would be amazing. Yeah, maybe. yeah. He's like sort of like this secret, amazing, super smart dude that just like exists, but isn't like super out there. Like he's got blog posts. He's got he wrote like the Ruby Science book and all this stuff, but he's kind of a. Uh, he deserves to be more known, I think, because he has a lot of interesting stuff. I don't to think say. he wants it. Yeah, uh, which is too bad. But like, but I, it, I it would benefit the community to know him. <laughs> like, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, like I think like a huge percentage of the stuff that I know about programming well came from him. It was just like being able to like work next to him or like doing dev discussions that he led, and just man, he's. I agree. He's like one of those people that no one knows about, but they sh- they should. Dude, this I'm looking at the old giant robots episode and. Man, we want we're, uh, this. Is, this is the streak. Three episodes in a row: Gary Bernhardt, Joe Ferris, and DHH. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. There you go. <laughs> it's like, man, we were on a roll. 2012. Holy. 2012. That's so that a long time ago. ago. I can't believe I made stuff seven years ago. That like yeah. where I was like an, an adult when I made it, and I'm like now an older adult. Yeah. 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 I was in college when that came out. Still, I was like learning to be <laughs> a programmer. Son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Uh, me that bastard yeah Uh, yeah it's i had the weird experience the other day where i realized that like i'm some 36 now and i was like wow i was when i was 18 that was half my life ago that's wild yeah that was just bizarre i mean yeah i'm there with 16 which still feels like pretty close to as significant as that like yeah half my life ago i learned to drive a car or whatever yeah exactly yeah it's it's bizarre Every year, I have more and more stories. They're like, oh, yeah. So I guess that was like uh, 15 years ago when something, something. Like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. 20 years ago story. It's going to start happening. Yeah, it will for sure. I mean, you you have them already if you think about them for sure. Mm-hmm. Things that yeah. you probably remember very clearly. Yeah. It's weird getting older. <sighs> yeah, it is. It's cool, though. I'm all right with it. Yeah. So far, things seem to be fine. I'm a 16-year-old with a more painful back. <laughs> yeah yep yeah it's harder for me to maintain mobility yeah uh and other that things are uh, i'm probably a little less i don't know i'm a little more mature i guess yeah <laughs> I, f- I know some things about some things yeah cool man so what else is going on in the tuple business world or product world or so yeah so we shipped a couple of good things recently so we shipped the webcam feature like so like that shipped two weeks ago it's been used 800 times already mm, nice. which is pretty legit so like it's getting way more use than anything else we've like put out basically i think you guys definitely need like an initiate call with camera and opt into screen share as a second yes. step option Absolutely. at some point because I, I still default to zoom for things where like i want to just talk to someone but then we want to share screens and now it's like well we're already in zoom 
Yeah. So now we share screens in Zoom, and then I want to draw on the screen, that. and I'm like, ah. So, mm. but we're yeah. not going to end the call to start it with another tool. You know what I mean? That's, so. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. Just because of we didn't think about it at the time, or like didn't engineer it with this in mind, it's like everything's kind of bundled together. Where it's like you get audio and you get screen share, and then if you, you can add video on top of that, but like doing them separately is doable, and we're going to do it for sure. We just it just has to be reworked a little bit. It's really exciting to me how much more flexible a tool it makes it to have video in there, especially if we start making that opt in and then like make audio like you could do an audio only call, you could do audio video, you can do just just screen like whatever. Like having all those like separate, I think it's going to be really nice. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's just going to be the way that programmers communicate in real time someone asked you for chat the other day and i was like oh man if we had chat now we have everything i don't know if i would ever use the chat personally i was uh same i feel skeptical about because i didn't use it in screen hero and the odd time that someone would send me a message in screen hero i'd be like what the people oh yeah i guess people can message me on this it's just it feels like one of those iceberg features yes i think you can probably get away with avoiding it i think there will always be room for like a separate real-time chat versus video thing you know like no teams are using zoom as their primary chat tool probably even though it has chat you know yep and and like chat makes sense when you have like 50 people in a webinar kind of thing maybe like it's nice to be able to type in there sure yeah Uh, but not for pairing yeah yep so yeah i think we'll avoid that the one thing i could see doing that i kind of like is like some sort of like are you ready button where it's like not quite a call where it's like you need to answer this in real time and then all of a sudden when you do like it's gonna you're gonna be connected but like a hey can i call you and you're like you can have like a yes in five minutes or no later or something like that just some canned responses but i don't know everyone i tell that to is not that excited so yeah i'm not that excited about it i feel like i solve that problem currently with chat just like messaging someone hey do you want to hop on a pair programming session or whatever yeah i I do want to make it easier to like go from that chat to the call so like we're definitely gonna add like a slash tuple command to like Slack. Um, and is there like telegram? can you write a Telegram that a plugin? Is that possible? That'd be cool. Uh, do they have plugins? I don't know. I have no idea. There's bots, so maybe there's like a way to do something. Yeah. I mean, if there's an API, I'll we'll API it. Yeah, seems possible. There's probably a way to like have a bot that opens your browser at like a URL that's like tuple colon slash slash that like then sends the message to tuple and yeah triggers the call. Yeah. You can register handlers for URLs like that. And I don't know how... And since like Telegram runs natively, we can just probably open it into... Yeah, thing. probably. Yeah. yeah. We'll figure it out. I definitely want to integrate with Alfred too. Like I just want to be like Alfred Adam and then have that like like T Adam or something. Just like a little power pack thing or exactly. whatever. And once we start doing that like URL registration thing, we can just add hooks into a bunch of different tools. That makes sense. Have you used Superhuman at all? No, I, I kind of like started the process of starting to become a customer and then just never finished. My current email process is just don't answer emails, basically, and just let the emails build up. And I'm trying to teach myself to not care about that as much because in some ways it's like not really fair for people to be able to just like steal your time. You know what I mean? And But there's this guilt associated with it where it's like, well, you should get back to people and i try to i don't know kind of sucks to not be able to just ignore it guiltlessly (laughs) that's true maybe the 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 real email client is uh meditation to be okay with not answering yeah yeah i mean i don't do like a lot of email from my own benefit like most of my email work is like not benefiting me 
it's mostly answering people's questions or so like some support stuff, which of course I do, or um, you know, GitHub notification junk, stuff like that. But it's it's not very often that I'm like emailing people and waiting for replies and That's my job now. Yeah, exactly. I'm a professional emailer. But anyway, I asked about the superhuman thing because they have this really great kind of omni fuzzy finder command kind of thing where you hit like command k and then like you can type basically anything like almost anything you can do in the app you can initiate from this like omni typing widget thing and i am jealous of this and like if we had a global tuple shortcut uh it's like and then just like you can do all the things with the keyboard yeah i think kind of cool i I wonder where they kind of picked that up the first time i saw like that pattern was in like sublime text where they have this like Mm -hmm. command palette and I've seen it in right. lots of apps since then. Even like Chrome DevTools has it now where you can type like Command-K or Command-Shift-P or something and it opens up a little search and you can just search through all of the, like the registered actions that exist in the thing. So like if you want to take a screenshot, it's like Command-Shift-P or something and then type screen. Oh, there it is. Enter screenshot taken of like the browser. It's such a sweet way to like discover things like things that maybe like don't necessarily deserve a keyboard shortcut, but you still want to be able to do with the keyboard, you know? It's a really cool UX pattern for sure. Everyone knew this, but I feel like it's becoming public consciousness, which is like keyboard stuff is just way faster. If you can do a thing on the keyboard, it's going to be way more efficient than if you have to click anything. And this is kind of like the like kind of the perfect embodiment of that or like it's like it really brings it to the to 100. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Keyboard everything. Yeah. Keyboard everything. It's just like your mouse is an anti-pattern. Definitely true. I remember when I switched to like my iMac and I didn't have like the trackpad that's like right under your keyboard on your laptop and I had to start moving my arm to use the mouse instead of just like kind of reaching down with my thumb. That was like, I couldn't accept that for a long time. I've sort of gotten used to it now, but it really felt like a step back in terms of speed. Did you ever use the ThinkPads that had the little, like, the built-in little mouse in the I never keyboard? owned one, but like I've played with computers that had them. I It felt like a level of precision that takes practice to <laughs> get hmm. used be. to. I had one. It was great. Like that was a good idea. Like having a little mouse embedded where you can like, you can like still be on the home row. Right in the middle yeah. of the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you're still on the home row, but you're mousing. Yeah. It's like that's that. pretty cool. That's some good stuff. Because every once in a while you do need a mouse. Like fine. I accept that. Sure. Yeah. but don't make it so far away yep yep cool so yeah and we're so other tuple stuff like we're getting ready to launch question mark i think oh yeah i guess that's coming up yeah so we said we were going to launch in august so you know it's august i wouldn't say i'm quite having like second thoughts but i'm almost having second thoughts where it's like we grew like a lot in july like we had a really great july to the point where it's like we don't need to, to add customers faster than this i would say i mean we i guess we could but like it's not an urgent thing the pace is nice and there's a fair support burden right now. Like we're, as you add customers, it takes time to get them onboarded and deal with them and things like that. They have questions in the beginning. Generally, they stop after like the first month or two. And so I'm kind of questioning, like, do we really want to have a big, huge influx, like some sized influx of customers all at once? Like, is that even good? Like, why is that good? Yep. I am not sure that there is a good argument for it. I mean, I have never launched a SaaS app, so I can't say for sure. I think if you are able to let in the number of customers that you feel comfortable like supporting without having to launch, it seems like you would just be able to maintain more control over that process with no real downfall. So hard to say. 
Yeah, it's like I, I would like to keep adding customers, and I'm okay if that pace increases a bit. But the whole like giant spike on one day or a couple days actually it sounds like okay, we need to be all hands on deck, and like there's probably this huge support thing, and we're all doing support, and it's going a little crazy. And it's not the end of the world, but if it's still like a paid trial or mm-hmm. like kind of how you do it now or whatever, I'm I'm not sure that you would actually get a huge influx. Really, it's true. So part of that is I'm thinking about changing the way the trial works. So like we do that hundred dollar first month trial thing, but we were thinking about trying like a seven dollars for seven days kind of thing, at partly as like a launch promotion type type deal, which I think we get a lot more uptake, and then we have this like pretty big list of like 6,000 people or something on the, the list, the mailing list who like said they were interested but haven't signed up. And it's like, well, if we suddenly come at them with an offer that's 93% lower, maybe they'll take it. Yeah. What do you think is the advantage to the $7 thing versus like just a credit card upfront trial? Like obviously it's like a little bit more friction. Like you're, it's, it's going to be like a little bit more likely to be a customer that's actually going to pay but what in your head is like the really significant difference or advantage for you there to get like a bunch of people paying like 10 people paying seven dollars is 70 bucks okay like it's a little bit of cash i guess but if you have people already asking like oh well we can't use this until we can try it and our company won't let us pay for something just to try it if we're just going to not use it or whatever like i just wonder how beneficial that really is it's a good point. And I've been kind of feeling that same thing myself. So it's definitely not about the money. It's not about like, we're going to make a lot of $7 charges. It was more like, okay, we're going from a pretty high bar of like 100 bucks up front to like, going all the way to zero felt <laughs> extreme, I guess. And so this is kind of like, okay, I want to lower the barrier. But like, I do still... So the downsides of more people coming in are basically, I think it mostly just comes down to support. Uh, and so it's like figuring out what the number is or what the cost is manages that flow where if you have a totally free trial i think you would very likely get a a greater proportion of people that are not interested in actually paying for it they just want to try the thing sure yeah people who like sign up with a credit card then literally cancel immediately so they don't accidentally get billed again so having some sort of charger is probably good yeah but so the, the objection we get is like I get this email like a bunch of times from people. It's like, my boss doesn't want to pay for something we haven't tried. Like I went to my boss, I asked him to pay for it. He said, no. One of my fears with this is like people are going to use their personal credit cards and then they're going to try it. And, and they're like, oh like, yeah. Switch it. And- now I got to go talk to my boss. That's going to take a couple of weeks to like get approval, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's definitely tricky. I'm not sure. At the same time, you can also ask yourself like, is there enough people who don't have that problem of not being able to pay that hundred dollars for a trial that we can just forget about this problem? Because that's still plenty of people for us to build a business on. And <laughs> and once, and once like more and more people use it, as the reward of mouth grows, the reputation grows. And now maybe you do have a better chance of companies who otherwise like wouldn't pay for a trial are willing to pay for a trial because it's an established product. Um, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good that's a good counterpoint. I, I think that's true. Like we have no n- need to grow faster. We're growing plenty fast. I think um, the hundred dollars for the first month thing too. I'm sure you could probably fine tune it and really perfect the perfect price for perfect amount of time or whatever. But it does feel like in the right ballpark of getting people to take the trial seriously. Where I wonder if like seven dollars for seven days is closer to like the credit card upfront. Maybe I never even call someone 
side of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Whereas the hundred dollars is like, okay, well we paid a hundred bucks for this. It's three digits. Like that's enough for us to, for me to tell the people on my team. Okay. Like I want everyone to like try using this, like at least a couple of times a week, you know, but yeah, it's all speculation. It's hard to know without testing it. Right. So absolutely. You know, someone tweeted at me today being like, Oh, I just saw your, I just saw the tuple pricing and it's set at uh, not wasting time or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'd say that's like where our pricing is. Like, we're not, we're not messing around. Like, if you're gonna use it, it's it's good if you're gonna get value from it. But we're not charging. We're not trying to be the low cost answer to this. Mm-hmm. The nice thing is, like, we can just try it. Yeah, and, and you can totally just do it differently a month yeah. from now. So yeah, and like, especially with our current invite system, where it's like you enter your email, and then like a day or two later, you get an invite to the app, and I can just change that email for a while and see what happens. Or I can like send this offer to old, like people that have been on the list for a while and see what happens. Or there's just a bunch That's of. That's the nice thing do. about email, man. Versus That's just like a public page. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I'm thinking about with the launch is like, if you just have a sign up thing and someone doesn't click it, all right, they're gone. But if it's like you have to get an invite and then you don't take the invite, well, I can still tell you stuff later. You know, I can still maybe convert you. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to let go of that email system especially when it's hard to justify like <laughs> the what is the upside like is there even an upside at all like it'd be one thing if like not many people were requesting an invite or something but may even then i would probably suggest trying to find out why they don't want an invite you know what i mean <laughs> not like is putting up a public sign up page really going to be the thing that changes that probably not so like there are some people where because we don't have like a like you can click this button sign up immediately thing they're like oh you're in beta like we can't use this it's in beta kind of thing but like kind of who cares like there's going to be some people that are not our customers and that's okay like that's the beauty of the freedom that we have you might be able to change that perception just by tweaking language and stuff too like i'm looking at the site now and there isn't really anything that suggests to me that it's beta other than like my own built-in perspective of like I've been using the tool since it was alpha. So like, when did it not be that for me? I don't really know. Like I, I've just been using it from the beginning. So, but yeah, you're right. Like nothing on here says it's beta. Um, get your invite. I could see how some people might kind of like, uh, interpret that as, Oh, it's pre-launch. So it's not like fully ready or whatever, but I'm sure you could spin it to just make it more about like, we only want to work with certain types of customers or, or or some way that just makes it more of like an exclusivity thing than it is like a we're not ready thing. But I definitely get that same impression from Superhuman now that you mention it. Like in my head, I think of it as like, oh, well, they're not launched yet. So like they must not be ready because otherwise I'd just be able to sign up. You know what I mean? But I'm pretty sure like the product is super mature. So yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, hmm, that is a interesting although we are signing up larger customers too i don't know like i was gonna say i think it's like the bigger companies that would have more of a problem with it but like we're we're signing up like people you've heard of so yeah it's all kind of like uh small optimizations on an engine that's already turning pretty well yeah so it's like this is a nice spot to be in if it was me i would have a hard time justifying making things just totally public and losing like that extra you know email capture and stuff if you're already like letting in almost like more people than you can really keep up with. Like, where do you think you are in that spectrum? Do you feel like it's plenty of people or do you feel like I don't really want more than what we already have or 
Like, what's your capacity? Do you feel like revenue is growing fast enough that I don't, I, I don't feel like we it needs to be faster. I'm not like, oh man, this is taking forever. I would say support is somewhat time consuming. Like Joel does all of it, just about, um, and it's you know there's seventy to a hundred tickets a week, probably something like that. It's enough that it's like it's kind of annoying. Honestly, we haven't invested that much effort in trying to reduce those. Like, let's improve the docs, or let's see if we can change the tooltip on that, or like like being more systematic about reducing that that load. I think we have room. Like, we we could add customers at a faster clip, and I don't think anything would fall apart. I guess there's nothing stopping you from doing a launch and then deciding to go back to invite only. Like, I mean, you could test that too. It feels like a little bit of a weirder thing to undo. <laughs> yeah, that email capture is so good. I, I don't think I want to give that up. Yeah, I think you have to like think carefully about is the only reason that I want to make it like publicly available and like launch it because I have some superstitious thing in my brain that is, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Versus like, these are the clear advantages to doing that that will improve our business. But I know what you mean. Like I would I would feel that same pressure. Like it's sort of like you've had this thing in the back of your head now, like the whole time you've been building the product that one day there's going to be this launch. So to like reprogram yourself to think like, well, actually like we are launched. This is like how our business runs. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And we basically <laughs> are is the thing. There's a delay we put in there, and it, so it's like you can't sign up for it the instant you want it. But we basically are launched. Like you, we don't we don't gate it. You don't have to get approval from any of us. But then I'm also like, okay, if someone wants to sign up on Monday, and I don't send them an invite till Tuesday, why is that good? Like, what's what's the point of that? Yeah, I don't know what the point of that is either. Maybe you should just send it right away. Maybe you should test that. Maybe for like two weeks you should send it right away, and then two weeks you can send it a day later and see which cohort converts better my gut is almost that if you send it right away like that's when someone was interested you know what i mean like that's they put in their email now because they want to use it right now so waiting a day maybe that works to your advantage maybe that someone's just like sitting there itching for the damn email to come through but maybe it's also like oh i'm kind of like i got a different problem on my mind right now um and that one's sort of whatever so worth a test for sure, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. I think a test would be a good idea. Hmm. There's also just like we could take the email and then immediately send them to the buy page where it's like, we'll send you this <laughs> in an email as well, but also here you go, like buy it here. Yeah, that's another thing you could test too. Yeah. It's just like the email capture is like the first step in the purchasing process. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Hard to say, man. Businessing. Yeah. Hard stuff. Businesses. Lots of trial and error. Yeah. What's going on uh, in Tailwind World? Um, you know, is that what I'm, you're focused on right now? Yeah, I, I'm just I I kind of like launched the first chunk of videos for this free Tailwind video course I was working on. So I launched that right before uh, this conference that we went to last week. Um, so that was like eight or nine videos that it's almost like a mini course on its own. It's kind of like you could just watch those and it feels kind of self-contained. It's like you've never used Tailwind before. Here's how kind of how we install it. Here's what it's like to use. Here's how you do some of the more advanced stuff. Here's how you get your CSS ready for production. If those are the only videos you watch, like you've got a pretty good head start on how to get going. Um, so the next thing I need to do, which I was supposed to do a bunch of it this week, but didn't because I just got distracted with shiny object syndrome, was uh, finishing a bunch of these other videos, which are more like, okay, so you kind of know how it works. Here's how we can like use it to build a bunch of common like 
UI patterns that you're going to run into. Like, here's how we do like an image card. Here's how you build a responsive nav bar. Here's how you build a layout with a sidebar. Here's how you build a dropdown. Here's how you build a modal, that sort of thing. And kind of tackling it from both like a, here's like the CSS that you need to know to make that work and what classes expose that to you in Tailwind. And also like a design perspective, like here's why we're going to use like Tailwind's text color utilities to like de-emphasize this text. So trying to teach people like how to use Tailwind to both just like implement common patterns and do it in a way that makes things look good. So hopefully it'll be a really good resource just for growing the user base and stuff. I, I don't think any other CSS frameworks will really have the bandwidth to like compete with me on that. And I, I really strongly believe that education is like, that's what like determines like the winner for most of these like open source tools. Not that I'm necessarily trying to win or anything, but like, you know, the framework with the best documentation and the best educational resources and the best examples and stuff that whatever people can learn the fastest and feel confident about is what's ultimately, I think, going to win. So I think just like really focusing on that uh, as a way to, you know, kind of grow the tool before we start working on this Tailwind kind of components premium thing that we talked about last time I was on the show. Uh, that's kind of what I'm doing now. So, yeah. You talked about that. I don't remember you talking about that components thing. Yeah, we talked about it last time I was on. Like me and Steve are trying to figure out like, should, should we make Tailwind themes or should they be UI kits? Should we sell them piecemeal or should it be a subscription or you know just trying to figure out what the product is like what is the package that we're delivering and selling i think we kind of have it figured out now we kind of cracked a mental model that we like which is basically ikea but for ui components so like you want you know a kitchen table like we sell 10 of them and they all come in like different colors and there's actually like chairs that go with some of them too that are kind of part of the same collection and you know if you take that metaphor to like the ui components it's like here you you need a footer for your site well we've got 15 footers and also like this footer happens to work well with the this header you know there's like the becant footer and the becant header that are meant to go together or whatever right and then there's also like you know like when you actually go to an ikea they have like their showroom, right? Where it's like, here's a living room and everything in the living room has like a tag on it, you know? So you can go get it if you want. So we can have a part of the site that's like, here's a marketing page. And like, when you hover over it, it's like, this is what the component we used for this hero. Here's like where this feature section came from. And, you know, uh, so I think like that's sort of like our, our anchor vision for it now, which has kind of cleared up how we want to do it. And I think it'll still be like, um, probably like an all access subscription sort of model where you can either pay annually or maybe we have a lifetime thing that's like maybe the price of like two or three years just for the people who are subscription averse and then we're also thinking of charging a different price for people who just want it to use for their own projects versus people who use it for client projects so if you like tuple wanted to buy a, a license for it because you want to use these components for your site or whatever i would consider that sort of like the personal use it's still commercial but it's like you're using it for your product really well because you're so using like personal it for is one, the wrong word yeah i agree there's kind of like the for clients and like for yourself because i, I feel like if you're building stuff for clients where you're literally charging people to build them a website and all you're doing is coming to our thing and copying and pasting stuff and then like delivering that. I feel like you're going to value the tool more than someone who's like using it more just for inspiration or for, or for whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's easier to tie the ROI 
to like what you're paying when you're like, okay, I build this client $5,000 to build this site. I pay $250 a year for access to these Tailwind components. And because of that, I got this site done in three days instead of three weeks. It's like no brainer. But if it's like you guys are using it to build like your internal thing and you're not always adding new UI features, like maybe, okay, we're adding this like team management thing. Spencer's working on that this week or whatever. And then four months go by where you don't even update the web app at all. It's a little harder to like too real, too real. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I don't know. I think trying to figure out at least how can we like segment the customers so that we don't like price out people who are really excited about it and want to use it, but they're not really using it for things that are necessarily making them money and, and then still be able to extract more value from the people that are like, literally using it to build the things that they're delivering to people and charging them money for. So just trying to figure out how can we segment things in a way that, you know, we're not underpricing it for some people and we're not overpricing it for others. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, I got to run because we ran a little bit, a little bit late here, but, um, yeah, fair enough. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man. It's good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for stepping in on the fly for Derek. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. So, uh, usually it's Derek's job to tell people where the show notes are. Uh, you can get them at a uh, fullstackradio.com slash oh, <laughs> artofproductpodcast.com, wow. I believe it is. Nailed it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. All right. Have a good one. See ya.